Lindsay and Mendes from TSN 1200. You're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. All right, good to go. Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sentence Cast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, sir? Going pretty good. Honestly, not much going on this week. Uh, mostly just playing Pokemon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the new game's actually pretty solid. That's fantastic, man. That's fantastic. I gotta ask, like, how many years has Pokemon been around? 20, over 20 years? 21? Yeah, because it the original games came out in Japan in 95. Oh, so Jesus. You're just almost... about at 25 years of Pokemon. Wow, I didn't even realize it was going that far back. I thought it was, uh, like, 97. Well, I know it was, like, 97 here, though. 97, 98. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Let's talk about today's episode. Today's episode is Season 3, Episode 8, in chronological order, Episode 62, the Eric Riva Edition. Now, just a little backstory. Eric Griba was drafted 68th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2006, recording four goals, 25 assists for 29 points in 165 games over three seasons. Now, I know last week we mentioned that I'm sure our favorite Eric Griba moment would be that he went to a wedding in jeans and cowboy boots. But the, actually the one moment I kind of forgot about this until you brought that up was the Lars Eller head in 2013. Yeah, and rightfully or wrongfully, that will be the thing he's most remembered for because he didn't really light up the lamp. No, he was good for about 10 points a season. And although he did he did give the Ottawa Senators an honest game. Every year he played for the Senators, and the first two years they played for the Edmonton Oilers, he gave them an honest shift, and that's all you could really ask for the guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a number of guys on the Ottawa Senators right now that are doing that, like Connor Brown. Well, not maybe not Connor Brown, like... Him and Borbietsky were usually put into kind of the same boat. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm just, sorry. I'm just thinking more of the the guy that will always give you an honest shift, kind of like like a Connor Brown, a Clark MacArthur, guys like maybe more up front than on the back end. But yeah, I can honestly see that Griba and Bora would be in the same boat in that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny that uh, he's back in Saskatchewan playing uh, beer league. Well, I don't want to call it beer league. It's I think it's an advanced senior league. Hockey, so uh, yeah, he's still playing hockey into retirement. Fantastic. Let's talk about next week's poll because next week's episode is season three, episode nine, in chronological order, episode sixty-three. Now we only got one player for that, which means current Ottawa Senator Tyler Ennis will be our cover athlete. Oh, very short, but Ennis is at a long weird career so far so i think there'll be a decent amount to talk about yeah exactly and i mean if he gives us some good games next week then we'll definitely have something to talk about yeah that's for sure so before we go any further into this episode tim we've got to co- we got to cover a few things first of all we got to give a really big shout out and a congratulations to our bot adam from the three goes to eight four goes podcast not because his hamilton tiger cats played in the great cup this past weekend which you know, they unfortunately lost to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but 
because him and his wife Kim welcomed a baby boy into the world this past week. So is that their second now? It is their second. Yes, Damon Alexander. Which I mean, that's oh. a that's just a great middle name. I'm just not gonna go ahead and say it right now. Yeah, you know what's weird? It makes me simultaneously feel young and old at the same time. What that Adam's got two kids now? Yeah, it's like we should probably have kids, but at the same time, we're no place to have freaking parents. <laughs> no, that's just a lot of work, though, and you know, and babies are dirty. Yeah, but at the same time, it's how we keep Canada going. Very mechanically speaking. That is true. That is true. No, the other thing... Canadians aren't making more Canadians. <laughs> yeah, and well, you know, there's still time, right? Like, too. we're still young. We're yeah, not, true. We're not even in our 30s yet, Tim. That'd be considered late, like, two, three generations ago. That's true, but, I mean, granted, two, three generations ago, you know, people were, what, married off at, like, 16? Not 16... More like twenties. We're just slow. Yeah, we were we were we're slow to catch up in that department. True, true. What's weird is there's people from uh, like our middle school class that have kids now. Hey, I know. Like, um, well, Marley just had a kid there not too long ago. Yeah, and then uh, actually, the one that always reminds me is uh, not our class, but the class younger than us. Gord, Gord had like six of them. Jesus Christ, he had fucking six of them? It wasn't six, but it's a lot. Jesus, like, who uh, does he think he is? Philip Rivers? Like, fuck, man. Like, like no, okay. Uh, he took a Be Fruitful and Multiplied Heart. I would say so. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah, that's different if you have maybe one or two, but if you're having, you know... It's definitely several. Yeah. One baby mama, though? Yes. Okay. Again, Be Fruitful and Multiply. That's true. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about the other thing that we gotta cover this week, and this is something that I kind of I honestly apologize to this person because we should have announced this last week, Tim. Well, did we have the full details down last week? Or yes, we did, and I dropped the ball. You blew it. I blew it. But there's one way I can correct correct it, Tim. Doing it now. Alert! 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 So we're very proud to announce that. Alex Metzger, the editor-in-chief of Last Word on Puck and the co-host of the Eminem Podcast, will be joining us for our post-Christmas episode. Now, what date it will be, I don't know yet. That all depends on when you're coming back to the island. And we'll definitely be in contact with him to nail down a date. But at the moment, he is 100% scheduled and he's nailed down to come on the podcast. Sick. Yeah, you know... Just thinking about it, it's kind of crazy that last year Trevor Shackles was willing to do a Boxing Day episode with us. I know, and remember he gave us he gave us a good amount of time because he was heading out the door to head down to Rogers Arena to cover one of the World Junior Games that day. Yeah, that uh, I think I still lost her over under on. That's right. Was that that wasn't the case? I don't remember if it was the Canada game where Canada. What was it? Denmark or wherever they beat him like seventeen to nothing. Yeah, where I thought, oh, they won't beat them by more than eight goals. Proceeds to watch them score at least ten. <laughs> that was amazing. You and I were sitting in your mom's living room. We're just like, they're up to eight. They're up to nine. They did it. Ten. <laughs> just like, oh, oh good God, God, they're go not on. stopping. It, it was just like, Jesus Christ. Ah, uh, it was fantastic. 
I thought eight and a half was a reasonable over-under. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty fair assessment there. But honestly, hey, you can't really uh, argue with results, Tim. Exactly. So, Tim, let's recap last week's episode because last week's episode was Season 3, Episode 7, Chronological Order, Episode 61, the Mark Stone Edition. I'm actually kind of happy how that episode turned out. I thought that our... I thought we were on point. And I don't know if that's what you felt as well, but for myself, personally going back and editing it, I felt we were really on point, especially the last 10 or so minutes where we just went way off the beaten trail and started talking about music. I was about to say, like... I thought we just, like, it was like, we obviously don't care enough about these games. Let's go talk about Ramstein. Like, I remember we were talking about it afterwards. Like, we just kind of YOLO'd the end of that episode. Yeah, but it was fantastic. And do you want to know how many edits to that 10 minutes I actually did? Zero. Zero. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, you think about it, all the edits I do for this podcast when we're talking about hockey, but yet when I talk about music, I went on for 10 straight minutes talking about Tool and Ramstein and... KMFDM and all these crazy-ass bands. Not one edit was ever done. Yeah, maybe you should do a music podcast. I thought about it, but I don't know. I mean, it's one of those podcasts that I'm like, that'd be fun to do. But then I realized that, you know, Third Line Plug takes up so much time for me that, you know, I just don't really see the point of doing it. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. At the same time, though, it might not be a bad off-season project uh, where... You do something like uh, Where's Richard Simmons, where you do a really deep dive and just publish four or five episodes. Yeah, that's true. That and is true. Do it like a podcast documentary. Yeah, which would be fine. However, because we do our off-season episodes too, right? And I mean, you know, I, obviously I'm working throughout the summer. I'm doing the podcast, and it takes up a lot of time. But if I, mm. if I had some free time, yeah, I would definitely like to do that one day. Yeah, yeah. Well... It's funny, uh, what I've always found is uh, the busier I am, the more stuff I get done. Like, uh, I feel like I'm more productive now that I'm like, I do third line plugs and I granted I'm not doing the editing or the posting that you are at the same time. I'm like, I'm also writing a blog. I'm doing most of the, I'm doing a bigger chunk of the housework than I used to. I'm doing, uh, I'm. I got promoted at work, so I'm doing more work. So it's, uh, you find, you make the time you want. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm kind of the same way too, right? Is that, mm. is that this show keeps me motivated and it keeps me on point to do other things too. Whereas if I was just like, yeah, just doing whatever, then there's no real urgency to do things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I totally understand where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is like, I actually think whatever you'd create from just that music chronicling and analysis point would actually be a very good listen. So it's something I'd want to see you do. Yeah, you know, maybe I might do that one day, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are we done for everything for top of the hour? Or can I slide in before top of the hour? Can I slide in another announcement? Go ahead, slide in another announcement. It's with sad hearts that uh, today, Brian, five or six, announced his Twitter retirement and cleared out the Twitter account. And now, here's the thing. I didn't even know anything about this. Is that I didn't even realize Brian had had shut off his Twitter. And this wasn't until I turned on Skype and I called you. And that was like one of the first things you said to me was like, Brian Fiverr 6 retired. I was like, wait, what? Brian Fiverr 6 retired? What? Since when? Now? You're like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's just insane the amount of work he was putting in. Uh, if you think about it, like he was doing multiple, sometimes multiple or even three or four videos a day on top of a podcast. And this was uh, during a no hope period of the senators. And I presume a day job on top of all that, like the man was a content machine and that's got to wear on you. Yeah. And we also can't forget that. I think Ben has like four kids or something at home. So between that and everything he's probably doing, I, I could kind of see where he would take a step back, but yeah, just, full-on retiring like i just didn't see that coming yeah i don't know but at the same time he's given so much to the community that i think uh ottawa senators fandom would be a lot sadder of a place uh i don't it would have been a very hard place to be without brian five or six giving us all the many laughs and brighter sides throughout the last two three four seasons and uh, i wish him a happy retirement and I'm sure that this is probably a sentiment, sentiment that's echoed by all Sense fans. If he ever decides to put the skates back on, be very excited to have him back. Absolutely. And we would also like to extend an invite to him if he's interested in coming on doing <laughs> the third line plug Sensecast. When he decides, if he ever decides to put the skates back on. That's true. Actually, before we go into top bar, let's recap our week, Tim, because... I actually got, I want to talk a little bit about my week because this is one of these things where, and you know, a few episodes ago, I was talking about that I started getting back into playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. So I was playing a little bit of it this past week and funny thing, I turned it on because I beat a couple of missions like the night prior. I'm thinking, all right, you yep. know, I'll get ready to go from where I'm starting. So I turned it on and I'm loading it up and I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on? Like, what the hell? Why am I still here? Apparently, my PS4 reset before I got a chance to save it. Weird. And those games, don't those games all have like auto saves and shit like that? Yeah, and I don't understand what exactly happened. And so I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I am not putting any more time into this game. Like, it's a long fucking game, too. Like, uh, I was talking to my boss about it because he's a gamer. And yeah, there's like, like 50 plus missions or something to red dead 2 so i was just like you know what i'm not putting any more time to this so i deleted off my ps4 and i actually bought the new star wars game jedi fallen order what is it it's pretty fun honestly and that's one of these games like the last star wars game i bought was the last uh, was it battlefront like the ea like the last ea one yeah the last ea one and I bought it, and it was, it was fine. I mean, I was like, oh, I had okay times with it. But I wouldn't go ahead and say it was an overly great game. But this is why I was so skeptical buying this one. And I was just like, all right, you know what? I'll buy it, I'll play it, and see how I feel. And if anybody out there is a PlayStation owner, and they've played the Uncharted games, this is the best way I can describe it. Imagine Star Wars as an Uncharted game. That's exactly what it was like for me. I was just like, you know what? This is a fucking fun game. Like, and the very first mission is you're the, you're the Jedi and you're on a train and the fucking stormtroopers and all the shit are invading. It's kind of like the mission in, Char in Charted 2 near the end of the game where Nathan Drake is on the train and it goes over uh, the, the cliff. Spoilers yep. if you haven't played it. And... That's exactly what it reminded me of. I was like, wow, this is just like, everything about it is just like Uncharted. The mechanics are like that. The, every, like, everything's about it. It's so cool. And, you know, I've been really getting sucked into the game a bit. 
And I just put a couple hours into it last night, so definitely when I'm once I'm done the tonight's episode, I'll be going back and playing that game a bit tonight. Yeah. Um Yeah, I guess my week it's again, Vidya. Uh, I was playing the newest Pokemon game and it's it's pretty fun. Um the story mode's a bit short and kinda easy, but the actual raid battling is it's fun. Yeah. Um so it's basically you do it in the kind of an open world sort of area, a limited open world sort of area. And uh, you can team up against a giant Pokemon with four of your friends. It's kind of fun. Nice. I can see it getting really repetitive over time. Yeah, I, I can see that. Fun. I think it's fun to throw in about 30 minutes of a raid just to keep up and try out weird different Pokemon. Other than that, yeah, not too much over the last few, the last week, to be honest. Yeah. Is there any update on the house hunting thing right now? Uh, we saw a place, but it's mo- we're probably going to go a bit slowly now just because Chelsea's very busy with coursework. So, well, I guess writing her thesis and uh, doing all that grad school fun stuff. Okay. So it's going to house hunt go take a bit of a back burner. But whatever, that's the way she goes. That's the way she goes. Now, are we under the assumption that the reason why you guys decided not to buy the place is because it had windows? That's tough. It is tough, Tim. But you know what's not tough? It's segueing into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So we actually got to give a really big shout-out and a congratulations to Chicago Blackhawks forward Patrick Kane, who became the 90th player in NHL history to record 600 career assists. Kane, drafted first overall in 2007 by the Chicago Blackhawks, is the seventh active NHL player to accomplish the feat. Now, the funny thing about Patrick Kane is... Regardless of what you think of him as a person off the ice, you cannot deny the talent he has on the ice. Yeah, and uh, part of why the Chicago Blackhawks were so darn successful and aren't completely out of the water just yet is just the undeniable talent of Patrick Kane. Yeah, because even though guys like Jonathan Taves have really taken a huge dip in production, the production of Patrick Kane is still there, and you go back, and you know what's funny? Kane's one of those guys that I didn't realize how high a point total he's really had over the years, and it's like, because I imagine him playing for Chicago, he seems like one of these guys that would get, like, kind of like a Johnny Goudreau, like a 70 to 80 point guy, but when he gets out there and he's scoring 90, 95 points a season, it's like, holy shit, dude, like, I didn't realize you were this good. Yeah, and I don't think it was really that much of a secret, though given how much NBC loves to throw the Blackhawks and Penguins in our face. That's true, but maybe it's because I don't, I didn't follow the Blackhawks as closely, despite all the success they had over the last decade. Maybe that's why, for me, it came as such a surprise that he put up all these high point totals. Makes sense. Yeah. So, Tim, last week, and I'm not, I think, I know you and I were talking about this off-air. It finally happened, Tim. The Toronto Maple Leafs have fired head coach Mike Babcock after four seasons. Babcock, who joined the Leafs in 2015, recorded a 173-133-45 and 45 record with an 8-12 playoff record. Babcock was replaced by the Toronto Marlies head coach, Sheldon Keefe, who also went on to sign a three-year extension. So, you know, Tim, last year we had a number of firings. And so far... For this show, we have not yet had a firing. It's still young. It's still young. And there has been 
you know, a certain voice that I haven't been able to do yet in the national podcast era of the Third Line Plug Soundscast. Ooh, I like where this is going. So, just want to say right off the top, Mike, on behalf of all the Toronto Maple Leaf fans, thank you so much for all of your effort and everything you've done for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But as far as the head coaching job of the Toronto Maple Leafs goes, Mike Babcock, you're fired! Now, here's the thing I don't get about Mike Babcock. You have these very well-talented teams, and you can barely go 5-0. What the fuck? Well, did you read that story? I can't remember who it was. Either one of the Leafs beat writers, they came out and he went to one of the Leafs' then rookies, and he said, make a list of, of, of his teammates from the hardest working to the guys who don't have the most, the least amount of work ethic. And apparently it turned out he was so, this player was flabbergasted that Babcock actually released the list to said rookies that this player said he didn't have much work ethic. And it turned out that said player was Mitch Marner. Yeah, and honestly that puts the Marner contract fight into perspective as well. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if uh, the coach wasn't such an ass. Frankly, the word asshat applies here. If he wasn't such an asshat, they might have been able to get Marner on a more reasonable contract. Mm-hmm. But you know what? And I was thinking about this when I was when I heard that story. Is like, you know, because you always hear these stories like uh, Mike Commodore. He would always on Twitter always call out Babcock for not playing Mike Medano in his 1500th game. And some of the other things he did with the Red Wings. And then he goes to Toronto and he kind of does the same thing with the Leafs. And when I was reading that, I was just thinking, you know what? It's amazing that Mitch Marner is still a Toronto Maple Leaf because apparently he was going to ask a trade out of Toronto because of that. Yeah. And, well, that's a, that's the other thing. Is I'm, surpri- like, I'm surprised Babcock lasted so long if he's pissing off stars like that. And... Here's, and the other thing that I kind of get the rub is, is Mike Babcock, I don't think he's had a ton of success outside of mega-stacked teams like those Red Wings teams. No, because you even look at his days with the Ducks, right? Like, despite the fact they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and they became, they were within one win of the Cup, really, you look at his tenure with the Ducks and same with the Red Wings, those teams never really went anywhere other than the... Like I said, the one Stanley Cup final appearance for the Ducks, the back-to-back with the Red Wings, and the Leafs, that's really where I think all of the problems with Mike Babcock with the other teams really came out, and it really showed with how he handled the players during the playoffs, especially last year where he put a lot of emphasis on Patrick Marlowe in the playoffs, and a lot of fans were saying, okay, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you playing Patrick Marlowe over... Matthews or Marner or some of these younger stars that they have on the team. Hell, or even like more mobile players like Kadri. And the other thing is kind of the weird defensive deployments of pushing Gardner down the lineup and pushing up Hainsey and Zaitsev. And like even this season with Cody CC sometimes playing more minutes than Morgan Riley. Babcock, I don't think he's a good coach. Now, now when you say that uh, he was moving guys like Hainsey and Zaitsev up, are you just referring to the fact that they traded him to the Ottawa Senators? <laughs> no, but like still fucking works. Gang pushed down the death chart and the Morgan Riley Hainsey parent is just pure Babcock as well. 
Let's go into our next story. The NHLPA has filed a grievance against the Winnipeg Jets, challenging their suspension of defenseman Dustin Bufflin. Bufflin had been granted a personal leave of leave at the outset of training camp, but was later barred without pay to help give the Jets room against the salary cap. This is a weird situation. Given that... <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I actually, I wonder if there's any real room for the grievance, despite the fact that the leave of absence was granted, given that he was cleared to play by the team doctor at the end of the season. So I, I have a hard time seeing the argument that they did Dustin Bufflin wrong from a legal standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It is tough, but I mean, I can kind of understand where the NHLPA would file the grievance, given that even though they had... Or sorry, I can kind of see from the Winnipeg Jets' point of view because, honestly, Buffalo didn't come to training camp even though he was granted this personal leave of absence. But it's like, I'll use, use an example. It's say, like, you're on salary. You don't show up for work. Well, you, you might not get paid, right? They might argue, okay, well, why are we paying you? You're not coming to work. Yeah, and I guess, like, what's the alternative? Because I'm not sure if they could have even put him on an injury reserve. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not 100% up to speed with how injuries reserves work because if that injury is not sustained in the season and he was cleared to play before the season, is he eligible to be even put on the injury reserve in the first place? Or would uh, Winnipeg be stuck eating the salary of a guy who didn't show up? Yeah, exactly. And that's where I think maybe they didn't put him on LTIR is because he was probably 100% healthy to go. And the fact that I can't quote me on this, but I think it's it, it still doesn't. Does it count still against the salary cap if they... Put him on LTIR? Up to a certain point, no. Like, that's how the Toronto Maple Leafs have managed to... And you can actually, depending how the LITR is structured, you can actually use it against your salary cap. So that's what the Leafs are doing with uh, contracts like uh, Nathan Horton Horton and stuff like that. Or Stefan Robodon and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of right there. Well, the Senators, on the other hand, they don't always put injured players on the... LTIR because they can, or they won't apply for the LTIR bonus, sorry, because they, the salary is insured. So they're not paying for it, but it counts against the salary cap. So that's why uh, famed senators Mary and Gabbard. Oh. Yeah. Why am I forgetting? Or Clark forgetting. MacArthur. Clark MacArthur, or, well, he actually played for the senators. It's not like, uh, why am I blanking on the guy we got from Tampa? We'll never play another game. Callahan. Callahan. Famed center Ryan Callahan. Yeah. Well, come on, man. You can't just throw the franchise under the bus like that. Ryan the franchise Callahan. Yeah, true. Well, if you're kind of the New York Rangers, prideful and faithful, then that might have a bit more selling power. (laughs) That's true. Let's talk about a suspension, Tim, because Washington Capitals forward Garnett... Hathaway has been suspended three games without pay for a spitting incident involving Anaheim Ducks defenseman Eric Branson. Hathaway will forfeit $24,193 and, you can't forget this, Tim, 53 cents. This is something that, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't really see the clip, so I don't really have an opinion on the matter. I know that, from what I understand, I think they were either in a scrum or a fight and... I'm sure Gabranson probably said something that Hathaway didn't agree with, and that's what he got spat on. But what grown man spits in another one? That's what I want to know. Yeah, we're not fucking llamas here. That's gross. Don't do that. So, Tim, let's close out top of the hour that we, we always do. 
by talking about some Ottawa Senators news. And we're going to start off with the Columbus Blue Jackets have hired Paul McLean as an assistant coach and will be in charge of special teams. McLean last coaching job was as Ducks assistant coach, which he held from 2015 to 2017 after spending four seasons as head coach of the Ottawa Senators. This is actually a perfect signing for Paul McLean, not just because the Blue Jackets now acquire a head coach with experience as their assistant coach, but because he already looks like a Civil War general with that mustache. No kidding. And one thing about Paul McLean is that his special teams do generally work pretty well. And that's something we definitely noticed uh, back when he was the coach in Ottawa, especially uh, when he really got under Montreal's skin. So uh, I wish him the best night. I'm glad he has that Civil War mustache. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised that Paul McLean hasn't got another kick in the can yet. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I guess because... Yeah, and I don't understand it too, right? Because he, he won Coach of the Year in Ottawa. But maybe because, you know, you look at some of the other coaching prospects out there and the excuse me, teams want to give them a chance first. Like you look at, as we just mentioned, Sheldon Keefe, the least, but that was an obvious one. I think Sheldon Keefe, it was only a matter of time before he got hired on by an initial team. And it's funny, I was talking to one of my buddies about this, who's a Leafs fan. I says, because you know, Sheldon Keefe was actually in the running to land the head coaching job with the Senators this past off season before DJ Smith ended up getting it. Yeah, and I think my understanding was the Leafs said, no, don't talk, you can't talk to him. Because they have that right, because... Sheldon Keefe was Dubas' guy. Another one that has gotten a second chance that apparently has been doing quite well is Dallas Eakins. After a not good showing in Edmonton, he's been doing pretty well in his current stint with the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, but you know what's funny? And actually, you can go back to when we had a chance to talk with Jamie McLennan. That's the one thing he mentioned is that much like when – we were talking about DJ Smith with him. And the one thing he commented on is that a lot of teams will get that, you know, they'll get a brand new jolt. And he said, look at Dallas Akins or Joel Quenville or some of the other head coaches. So when you mentioned Dallas Akins, that's exactly what I was thinking of is that noodles mentioned that back in yeah. September. Well, the other thing about Dallas Akins in particular is he had a really good AHL career. Like uh, with the San Diego Gulls, he only missed the playoffs once. And each year, he got to at least the second round. Yeah. Are you talking about your favorite AHL team, the San Diego Gulls, Tim? Yep. That name. So bad. Which? San Diego's or Gulls? Just the Gulls. And we've heard my opinion on it before. So we're going to talk about the Ottawa Senators, because they had two of their players that took a leave of absence this week. The NHL and NHLPA have announced that Ottawa Senators forward Bobby Ryan will be taking part in the league's player assistance program. No details were given as of the reason for his absence. This is a story that you and I were talking about this online a couple of days ago, and you made a comment that given how his family situation has been over the last several years, you're honestly thinking maybe this has, might be something to do with it. Maybe I don't want to. I don't want to speculate too much because it is a very personal thing. But yeah, a lot was made out of. Sorry, I don't want to say a lot was made of it. He was very open about uh, his family life and uh, the th- the ther- years of therapy that came after it in a heart wrenching article in the Players Tribune about two year, two three years ago now that he wrote or ghost wrote uh, when his mother passed. Yeah, and you also can't forget uh, the. The featurette that they did with Sportsnet about his dad and the run from the law that he did as a kid. Yeah, and uh, 
I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, and like, like, uh, therapy and recovery is a lifelong thing. So I wish Bobby Ryan the best. For sure. And man. he's such a, such a positive part of the Ottawa community that, uh, it's a shame that the senators are missing him, but, uh, I hope that he find. well, I hope he finds all that he needs to. So let's close out top of the hour by talking about Ottawa Senators defenseman Nikita Zaitsev has also taken a leave of absence to return to Russia for personal reasons. Zaitsev is scheduled to return to the team on Monday, which is today. Honestly, my speculation on this is probably that a family member had probably passed away and he's going over there for the funeral. That would, that would be my guess because you, you hear stories about this and generally it's a family emergency is why they go back home. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it kind of came out of nowhere, too. And, yeah, so whatever it was, glad to have Zaitsev back. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which means one thing. It's time to talk. It's time to move on and talk about the three games we got to talk about. We've got the Sens versus the Red Wings, Sens versus the Canadians, and the Rangers versus the Senators. But before we do that... Let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Red Wings. This is a 4-3 Senators victory. Sens goals were scored by Anthony DeClaire with two, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, and the real American, Brady DeChuck. Red Wings goals were scored by Robbie Fabry, Vitaly Fiblimov, and Anthony Mantha. Shots were 38-33 for Detroit. A somewhat even game overall. Both teams started off pretty well for most of the first until Detroit started to pull ahead, getting the league, which didn't last as Ottawa got their offensive attack going, taking a 4-2 lead heading into the third, which became a one-goal lead that Ottawa held to get the W. So we got to talk about one player in particular, because for my money, this guy was the best player on the ice. Anthony Duclair, two goals, one assist on three shots, Wow, this guy has really been impressing me lately with his strong play. Well, the thing is, both those goals are highlight real beautiful goals, wraparounds, and just full-bodied full effort. And I think one of the big things about Anthony DeClaire is uh, he's not just an offensive zone player right now. He's, he's back-checking hard, he's forward-checking hard, and when he's on the ice, the puck's moving the way you want it. And you can't ask for more than that. Anthony DeClaire was fantastic throughout the whole game. And uh, I'm really happy with the the lines that as they are with uh, Logan Brown, Brady Kachuk, and Duclair is clicking something awesome throughout the whole week. Yeah, I've been really impressed. And actually, if you were to go back and listen to our preseason episode, that's the one comment I made is that I said to you, I said, I wonder how long it takes until they put Brady, Colin White, and Duclair together. And well, they did at the, for, at the beginning and it was fine and all. It really seems like that line really, really clicked. It really found their offensive spark the minute that Colin White went down and Logan Brown got slotted into that center role. Well, you know, Logan Brown just has such a good skill set to him that you kind of have to agree with his agent. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is one of the things that... He was another guy like Nick Paul that coming into this season, it was sort of a make or break year for him because if he didn't make it, 
it's more of a, okay, we've given you a couple of chances already. You haven't capitalized on it. You know, it might be time to move on. And obviously Nick Paul showed that his game now translates to the NHL, much like Logan Brown when he was paired with Brady and Duke. Yeah. And honestly, like throughout this week, Logan Paul just get, sorry, Logan Paul, that guy but uh, <laughs> Logan, Logan Paul yeah I don't think we're talking about that guy Tim I think we're no, talking about and it's an unfortunate slip of the tug that Nick Paul and Logan Brown play on the same team but yeah it's amazing just the hands and the creativity that Logan Brown has and that Duclair has and Kachuk have and they all know where to go and how to attack the net and he's very and they're kind of all in the same wavelength and you get Shabbat moving the puck well in there, and man, you've got something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And actually, let's talk about Tom Shabbat, because he had one assist in this game, and I thought he looked really strong. And the one thing I will comment, especially on the third game of this evening, is that this whole week, he has looked a lot stronger than he has in weeks past. And I wonder how much of that is that they're finally putting him with Dylan DeMello. I imagine not being stuck to Zaitsev helps a lot. The other one is he's not playing stupid minutes anymore. Like this week he averaged about 23 minutes, which honestly is a very manageable workload because like 26, 27, 30 minutes, that's going to gas anyone. And that's probably what ended up dogging Eric Carlson for most, a lot of the years he was in Ottawa. That's true. But I mean, Eric was one of those guys that he had the, the motor and he had the talent, but he was also better equipped because he was a lot older than Thomas Shabbat is right now to play those kind of minutes. And I mean, you look at like Dowdy plays those kind of minutes and uh, fuck who, um, the guy with Nashville too, he's playing those kind of minutes too. I'm thinking Roman of Yossi. Roman Yossi. Thank you. And you look at some of the other big name defensemen in the NHL playing those minutes. Thomas Shabbat is definitely a very high skilled player, but I still think he's a little too young to be playing those kind of minutes. And, you know, like you said, right, they they played him less in this week. And that's the one thing I noticed is that he looked a lot stronger. He looked a lot more confident. And in the next game, no, actually not the next game, the third game, he actually potted a goal. Yeah. Well, the other, th- and, like, he was definitely on the right side of the puck all night. Uh, once you kind of, once you adjust for score effects, he was on, he had a 65% Corsi had fantastic expected goals, and he was on the ice for all of Ottawa's goals, I believe. Yes, he was. He was on the ice for all four goals, and he got a helper on one of them. A fantastic game by Thomas Shabbat. And you could definitely see it, too, with his positioning, his breakout passing, and uh, his defending were all fantastic. Yeah, because uh, that's the one thing I noticed, is that he didn't look like he was getting caught either, right? Because. No. His defensive positioning looked a lot stronger as well in these games we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, and granted, two of these teams are bottom feeders. True, but and you know what? If you could play well against the bottom feeders, that could... I find that that's the best way to grow some confidence, is that you grow confidence in your abilities, and that could hopefully translate into when you play the top tier, the upper echelon teams later yeah. on in the season. And I guess the other thing that... Like, we were talking about him not getting caught. He was on for 17 shots for the Senators and only nine against. That's frankly impressive. It was really awesome about Shabbat is when he was on the ice, he was opening his passing, and the shots that he was on the ice for were 
they were all in fantastic locations. Him and the live mates he was working with were really able to pull open the slot and really attack Bernier there. I didn't, you know what's funny? I didn't even realize that Jonathan Bernier is still in the NHL until I see him against Ottawa playing for the Red Wings. It's like, you're still in the league? Yeah, although, honestly, pretty ideal tank goalie. That's true. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Brady to Chuck because he had one goal and six shots. I thought he played a really strong game against the Detroit Red Wings. But the one thing I noticed is that unlike other games in the past where we could play against Detroit, it didn't seem like he played his more... He, he definitely played a little more of a crash and bank style, but he definitely wasn't getting up in people's faces as much as he did in the past. Well, I think with Detroit, you don't have to. You just kind of have to hit them around and they'll stop. Like, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of skill and doesn't have a lot of confidence, and it shows. So why waste the energy of coming up with good bands if you don't have to? And honestly, Brady Kachuk was able to sit in his office all night. And you can see it on the Duclair goals. You saw it on Chuck's goal. He's right up to the edge of the net. If Duclair's cool play doesn't work out, Brady Kachuk's there to put, it, put away the juicy rebound that's coming. And he was there all night doing his thing. Gotta love it. One thing I actually really liked is the play of Anders Nelson this game. 35 saves at .921 save percentage. For me, even though we were playing a bottom feeder in the Red Wings, this was just another strong game for Anders Nelson. Yeah, and I think the one that I really want to talk about is the, I think it was a, pretty much a 2 on oh breakaway, uh, Nielsen versus Nielsen. And Nielsen gets both of the saves. Just fantastic use of both his athleticism, positioning, and size to really get across the net and take away any second chance that might have come from that breakaway. Fantastic save, and uh, it probably kept the sense in for the win. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on this game if you want to head on to the second game of the evening. Yeah, let's do her. Okay. Sens versus Canadians. This is a 2-1 to one Ottawa Senators overtime victory. Sens goes scored by Jean-Gabriel Pajot and the real American Brady Chuck with the OT winner. Habs goals were scored by Nick Suzuki. Shots were 36-24 for the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal outplayed Ottawa throughout this game. Montreal's offensive attack came out flying as Ottawa couldn't get much going, which didn't seem to matter in the end as Ottawa came away with the victory. So, honestly... Even though this was a really terrible game for the Ottawa Senators, and it was very hard to find good things to compliment about this team, I was able to find a couple. But for me, there's one man in particular we need to talk about. Craig Anderson. 32 saves, a .972 save percentage. Absolutely stole this game for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, because Montreal was crashing the net, firing from lots of beautiful position, lots of beautiful positions of the ice. And Craig Anderson comes away with a ninety-seven percent save percentage. This is freaking insane. And yeah, he's the only reason. The only reason Ottawa was really in the game because for large swaths of the game, it was all Montreal. I know, and I was over at my buddy's place watching the game. We're having a couple of beers, and that's the one thing I really noticed. Excuse me, sitting down and watching this was like. Holy fuck, we're getting outplayed, and Craig Anderson's absolutely standing on his head, put, keeping his in there. Yeah, and uh, you can definitely see why the Montreal Canadiens 
are where they are. The other thing that really doesn't help is Nemestikov went down early. Yeah, actually, let's talk a little bit about that because from when I was watching it, from the angle, the camera angle shooting out on the ice, it looked like kind of a dirty hit. But when you saw it from the camera in the where the net is, you saw that that was actually a pretty clean hit, and he just fell into the boards awkwardly. Yeah, it was a weird fall. The one thing I do commend the refs about is they killed the pl- they killed the play when they noticed Nemestikov wasn't getting up. And uh, it's interesting because during the intermission, Brian Burke they asked him if he agreed with them calling the whistle early. He's like, "Yeah, if that was a cut, the early whistle call could be a life or death difference." Mm-hmm. Well, you even look at the game. Colorado had against Vancouver, I think it was last weekend, where Matt Calvert took a slap shot or something off the head, and they didn't even call the play dead. They just kept going as he's laying on the ice. And there was this whole uproar and outrage about whether the referee should call the play dead if the guy goes down and doesn't get back up. In that situation, if he goes down and he's staying down, you have to call it. Like, imagine if they didn't call Sabarin. Yeah, that's true. But also, I mean, and I look at it the other way too, right? Is that, you know, a player can take a hit and they're, and somebody goes down and they're embellishing the play. Well, what next is that he goes down, he's acting like he's hurt, he doesn't get up, they, pl- they play the call, or they blow the play dead, and he just gets up like nothing. Delay a game penalty. It's not a bad idea, actually, Tim. Yeah, like if someone's down and not getting up. You have to stop the play because it could be a very serious situation. Like, and if there's blood on the ice, that's got to be an instant stop. Yeah, honestly, I think when players start doing that, it should be a four-minute minor because you get two for delay a game, but you also get two for embellishment too. Yeah, like you got to stop the game because like it could be a very serious injury, and in this case, you got to side, you got to err on the side of caution. That's true. Uh, let's let us let's move our attention over to a few players who. Actually did some stuff in this game. Uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, one goal and three shots. Honestly, I thought he played well enough in this game. Brady Tuchak, the OT winner. I didn't really, didn't have one of the most noticeable of games outside of the OT winner. Uh, what else can I talk about? Shabbat and DeMello pairing back together. They looked okay. They thought it was best pairing. Yeah. They should be, but Montreal just Montreal was really keyed into this game, and I think that's really what it was. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Ennis, I did like his game. But, yeah, other than that, there's really not any... Really any compliments or any really good things I can talk about this game, except for one thing. And, you know, this is something that I always end up doing with these episodes, is that when I'm watching a game, every now and then I'll pay attention to what the arena DJ is playing. Uh And for me, I was actually... Kind of happy with the Habs DJ and some of the music he's doing. Well, number one, he was playing, uh, he played a couple of Offspring songs, which was really awesome. And I love the fact they play Offspring in hockey games. But the one song I was really surprised they pulled out is, and I, I, I know you've probably never seen the movie Pulp Fiction, but the, the scene in the movie where John Travolta and Uma Thurman dance to Chuck Berry's You Never Can Tell, they played that song in the arena. I was like, nice. I was like, holy shit, really? Like, I haven't heard that song in ages. You know who I actually thought had a good game? Max Verano. Uh, he what? He was on the right side of the puck, got two shots, and they weren't bad looks. I didn't actually didn't even honestly recognize him in this game. 
Yeah, and uh, that's one thing I'm really happy about the Senators is they actually are giving the players, they're giving each of the rookies a bit of time to see what they actually got. And uh, it's good to see that Max Verano and Philip Schlopp, and it looks like Philip Schlopp is getting a longer look, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Uh, it's a shame that Rudolph, and I think uh, the player to probably get the next look is going to be Rudolph Balsers. Yeah, because apparently, from what I understand, he's actually lighting her up there in Belleville. Oh yeah, he's killing it in the A. And it was mostly put down for a conditioning stint, and uh, like he's conditioned. Let's see, uh, next next rep, let's see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely the third game we got to talk about this evening. Uh, we'll be talking about a couple of young defensemen. One of them, I know that you and I were pumping right up until they handcuffed him to Cody Cece and dragged him back to the American Hockey League. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So you want to go on to talk about the third game, if you have any other comments to make about the Habs game? No, uh, let's talk about the return of Max Lejoie. Okay. Rangers versus Senators. This is a 4-1. to one. Hey, hey, wait a minute. That's... Four, one, eight, seven, two, eight, seven. We win every No game. fucking way. Did we really win all three this week? Holy fuck. No, I, I can't do this, Tim. I'm, no, no. I, I do not want to live in a world where we've won three games in a row. Are you saying that you can't deal with optimism, Tag? I don't want to deal with optimism. I can't deal with it right now. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this game. Rangers versus Senators. This is a 4-1 to one Senators victory. Rangers goals were scored by Jacob Truba. Sens goals were scored by... Hudson Bacho! Logan Brown with his first NHL goal. Tyler Ennis, and Anthony Duclair. Shots were 39-31 for the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa dominated the New York Rangers in this game. Ottawa's offensive attack came out flying in this game as Ottawa couldn't get much going outside of brief moments where they got their game going, but it wasn't enough as Ottawa would get their third straight win. And by the way, it was the first time since 2017 they had a three-game winning streak, Tim. It's been two years since they've had a three-game winning streak. Well, you know what, Tim? If they end up winning tonight's game, it'll be the first four-game winning streak we've gone on since the 16-17 season. Uh, you might have to talk to Chelsea about that one. I'm yeah. I'm in here and you're in Calgary. I can't do it right now. Yeah, but it's just like, yeah, I just can't really believe that. Although, Columbus did just score. Okay. But uh, that's been a really low event game. But, uh, yeah, Ottawa just really came out and... Uh, really tossed the, the Rangers around. There weren't very many pe- players that were on the wrong side of the puck, just Christian Yaros and Philip Schlopik. Because overall, everyone looked good, and Shabbat's oak goal to open the game really set the pace. Because that was just... clears himself some space, just snipes it right past Lundqvist. I know, and that's the one note I have, is Ottawa's gameplay. Because this is easily the best game I've seen Ottawa play on both sides of the puck all year. Offensively, they attacked for the majority of this game, and defensively, they weren't making many mistakes. And the one big compliment I can give the Ottawa Senators is that we haven't really been able to give them this season. They got multiple goals on the power play. Not like the Vancouver Canucks having five power play goals against the National Predators good, but, you know, we got two at least. Two on five, yeah. to five attempts. Well, the other thing is that the Senators did a really good job of putting New York in the box. And the bench minor for two main men, and then Jake Troop uh, putting it over the glass. 
and I felt Ottawa was actually very disciplined throughout the majority of this game, and uh, that's how they got got a five on three and spent a large chunk of uh, the second period on the power play. And Duclair potted a beautiful goal. Uh, Another psych show, really. Oh, it was so awesome. And you made the comment right before we recorded is that this game, it was just all Ottawa snipe shows all night. Yeah, they were, it, it looked like they had Lundqvist bigger just go high high blocker side. Because all those goals, same place. Shabbat puts it in the first minute, then Logan Brown not too far behind for his first of, the, of his NHL career. And then Ennis from a similar place, and then Claire. Yeah. Like, absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. One player you haven't mentioned has been Anders Nilsson. 30 saves, a .968 save percentage. Honestly, I, again, I thought he had a pretty solid game overall. And the man known as Hot Sam Baccio, one goal, one assist on five shots. This is a player that, as you know, Tim, I haven't praised him a whole lot this season because I've made the comment that he just, he doesn't look like the player that he was last year on the ice and he doesn't look like he has a lot of confidence. This was easily, easily the best game I've seen him play all year for the Ottawa Senators. You could probably say that for a lot of Senators. Like, you got scoring by committee, but all the lines were clicking. With that, maybe the exception of the Bodane schlappic Veradu line. But they didn't get to see a lot of ice, but I thought the, even though they didn't show up on the score sheet, the Paul Pajot-Brown line looked great. Uh, the Ennis Tierney-White line potted themselves a goal, looked good while doing it. Both power play units, a puck in the net. It was scoring guy committee, and it looked great. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean... I mean, Christ, that Logan Brown goal? Oh, oh, that was so nice. Actually, let's talk a little bit about that. Logan Brown potted his first NHL goal. Only a three-word no to have. What a snipe. Well, what's really funny is uh, Logan Brown didn't even go to collect the puck because guess who was already there to grab it? Brady. Brady Kachuk. And you see him flipping the puck and then in his hands before he hands it off to Logan Brown. <laughs> Oh, God, I love Brady Tuchuk. God, I love that kid so much. Oh, one thing we didn't we forgot to mention uh, during the Habs game is uh, the 2018 draft seems, sorry, 20, yeah, the 2018 draft is coming to bite Montreal in the back, in the butt a bit. Uh, there was quite a bit of open worrying by Montreal fans if they took the wrong guy. I, I did see some of their comments on Twitter. Oh, that was fucking funny. It's definitely a hard thing. You know what, though? What if they had taken Phillips to Dina and we took Brady at four after that? Oh, imagine how pissed Montreal fans would be at that point. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, that's so good. Actually, let's talk about Brady to Chuck. One assist on nine shots. You know, the one thing I, I didn't even really notice he had that many shots in this game as he was in front of the net the whole time, but a lot of those shots came off of rebounds, either from Brown taking shots, Duclair taking shots, or Thomas Shabbat taking shots. That's the one thing that I noticed watching this well, game. Well, to be 100% fair, he's in his office doing his thing. And nine shots is frankly ridiculous. And, and if you're able to rake that much muck, you're having a damn good game. And uh, Brady Kachuk has been, he's been one of the best senders. And for a team that it is a bit devoid of talent, I think Brady Kachuk has been that, like Brady Kachuk, Logan Brown, Thomas Shabbat, and Colin White are really solidifying into a very strong core for the future Senators. 
Tim, how can you talk about a core and not include the Duke? The Duke. Oh, of course. The, you know what? You're right. The Duke has been absolutely killing it, too. It's true. Um, actually, can we talk a little bit about Anthony Duclair? And maybe we can call this segment, I, I don't know, discussion period. Because I actually saw something on Twitter about this a few days ago. And I can't remember the gentleman's name who tweeted this out. And his tweet just said, you know what? I've seen enough. It's time to give him an extension. So I'm going to I'm gonna ask you the all-important question. Given the amount of games that we've already seen Anthony Declare play this season, have you seen enough of him to give him the extension? And you know what? For my money, I think he has. I think he has shown enough with the Ottawa Senators. He's shown he has the instant chemistry with, with Brown and Chuck. He's honestly one of these guys that every game I watch him, he doesn't take a night off. He either... We'll get the puck and he'll skate from zone to zone and make a great play or score. But he doesn't look like he's just standing there. He's always constantly moving. He's always in position for a one-timer. He's always looking around to see what's going on. Now, contract-wise, I personally would be comfortable at three years at either three and a quarter or three and a half mil. Not four million because I think if, say, Duclair absolutely nosedives that's a contract we really can't move at three years but i think if we put him at three and a quarter or three and a half i will be 100 percent comfortable giving him that money here's the thing last year his underlying stats weren't there he was shooting the nuts this year he's close to his career average shooting percentage i don't think he's regressing this is anthony mcclair entering his prime i think we give him a contract and the other thing is, he's still RFA, so we still have leverage. I think it's time for Ottawa. Ottawa should, and I don't think there's a rush. I think Ottawa gives him the contract at the end of the week, see what we got, see what's happy, but make, a, make it known that Anthony Duclair should be here long-term. Yeah, and that was the one comment that... I made when we signed him to that one-year contract is that I was really happy with the one-year deal. That's a prove-it deal. If you can prove that you can repeat what you did last season, we'll give you an extension. And he has 100% shown that. I mean, despite this very slow start, we only had one goal in eight games, but now he's up to what? 10, 11, 10 goals already on the season. Yeah, he's been playing fantastic hockey, and I've been very happy with what Anthony declares brought to the table. Uh, yeah, and I remember, uh, I think during our season wrap-up episode with Kelly, I said I'd be very happy if he could be a 20-goal scorer. I think we've got more than that. Yeah, but that all depends on whether he can continue his production with Brown and Chuck on the same line. You know what? I'm optimistic. Yeah, I'm very optimistic. I mean, given the reasons I gave, that's why I'm very optimistic is because he's not one of those guys, like, if the puck doesn't go his way or the game doesn't go his way, he doesn't seem like he gets discouraged. He looks like he digs deep. He continues to skate hard and continues to get into position, ready for those one-timers, ready to make a great pass if he has to. That's the kind of player that I've been very happy with Duclair. But one thing is, and I've been really pondering this like what is it about his situation with the senators that really has elevated his game to this level because and you remember when we got him for dezingle his career was on life support when we got him and he I mean, was he has a, a coach that trusts him to be perfectly frank 
but you know what? He's gone through two coaches and he's been here. I mean, he went through Crawford and then when DJ Smith came in and he seems like his game has just stayed pretty productive. And it's one of those things like, you know, you saw him with the Coyotes, you saw him with the Blackhawks, you saw him with the other teams. Like how many of these coaches just gave up on him at that point? Just be like, okay, you know what? You're just basically a draft pick that isn't working out in the NHL. And you go to Ottawa, your career is on life support, and he proves everybody wrong. Kind of well, like, the other thing is he's 23 still. That's true. I mean, you could look at um, probably a very bad example because of uh, how he's doing in Nashville right now, but Kyle Turris, right? Kyle Turris was a top three pick with the Coyotes. His career was on life support when we got him for David Runblad, and we developed him and we transformed him into a number one center. Well, until he went to Nashville and, you know, basically nosedived, yeah. but you know, but that's the thing. And that's the one thing I think Ottawa over the last couple of years has been very good. And you and I have talked about this in the past is these refurbish jobs and these redevelopment projects that we've done. You know, you look at Duclair, you look at Turris, you look at Nemestikov when we got him and he's been doing, he was doing well for a while. Nielsen was just, I don't really want to add Nielsen to that list because he was a steady goalie, but he looks like his game was just elevated the second he arrived in Ottawa. Yeah, and I'm not sure what it was because it wasn't like he was playing bad hockey in Vancouver. He was just getting absolutely demolished every night. But he's getting, like, ridiculous amounts of shots here, too. But all of a sudden, he's become the Berlin Wall of Sweden. I know. Like, is there even, like, a... I don't even know if there's a comparison for that, given that he's Swedish. Uh, do, you want, do you want to take that one out and start calling him the Stockholm Stopper instead? Well, is he from Stockholm, though? Uh, we'll see. Okay. He is from, oh, Lulea. So he's not from Stockholm. Mm. Unless Lulea is near Stockholm. Although in fairness, just... if you've ever seen a picture of Anders Nilsson in, not in goalie gear, he looks like he, uh, he looks like a lost member of Swedish House Mafia. <laughs> what? He does. If you've ever seen him, he looks like a Swedish DJ. Not not like Mika Zibinijad's Swedish DJ, but he kind of looks like, like a guy from Swedish House Mafia or an Avicii or one of those kind of guys. You know what? I haven't actually seen that. But also, if you're wondering, his hometown is closer to Finland than it is to Stockholm. Hmm. Okay, I thought I had a cool name. Turns out I didn't. My bad. <sighs> yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, you know, we're still brainstorming a name. You know, he'll he'll yeah, be yeah. with us for a while. Uh, let's well, talk we can about just do the Swedish stopper. Yeah, that's true. It's still part of Sweden. Actually, let's talk a little bit about two defensemen that... These are two guys that we were pumping a little bit last year. Christian Jaros and Max Lejoie. Uh First game of the season. Honestly, they looked decent. Lejoie, actually, I thought looked better than Jaros because Lejoie, right out of the gate, was skating hard into the zone to get the puck and trying to create something in front of the net. Honestly, Jaros' game wasn't great, and I think that's why he got sent down after this game, but yeah, I was actually pretty happy with uh, Maxwell Jaw skating hard and grabbing pucks, so hopefully he continues to play well, and that's just another puck-moving option Ottawa has. Yeah, and this is a guy that I know people on Twitter are saying that they could take Eric Brandstrom out of the lineup and put Maxwell Jaw, and personally, I would, and you know my feeling, I think I would be kind of okay with that, given that Lejoie has more NHL experience, and that Brandstrom could go down to the A- and help him to 
develop a little bit more, get him a little more confident because, you know, he was getting pushed off the puck. And he's not a big guy, but I feel if we could put him in the A, give him some more time in the A, and then bring him back up later in the season, then we can see what exactly we have with Eric Brastrom. Well, the other thing is, even a conditioning stint might not be bad for Brastrom given the freak thumb injury. But at the same time, Brandstrom has been playing pretty good hockey for a rookie as a second a second line defenseman. So I don't really have anything against Brandstrom at this point. Maybe some AHL time will help. Maybe it won't. Who knows? I still think of this kind of as the Eric Carlson learning curve. True, but so the difference we'll between we well the difference between Brandstrom and Carlson is that Carlson had the luxury of playing with a guy like a Philip Kuba who could really help him develop into a player and. To be fair, Philip Kubel was pretty fucking ass as an actual player those years. True, but you know what? We gave him somebody who could actually help him develop, right? We didn't, you know, because, I mean, you put him with Brandstrom with, oh God, who would be our second? Well, as much as we rag on Ron Hainsey, the dude has a lot of NHL experience. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We need to come up with a nickname for him, though. I don't know. Yeah, like, that's the hard thing is, like, the thing you do have to respect about Ron Hainsey is, like, he's played a really long career, and, like, he's been active since 2003, and he had he had a 40-point season, so it's not like the guy can't produce. Or, like, in his heyday, it's not like he couldn't produce on the back end. So it's like, I think he's very similar to Philip Kuba in that regard. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's funny, I think uh, Hainsey played longer than Kuba did. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so it's, honestly, it is what it is. Yeah, because Kuba, I think, is straight. Kuba retired at 36, Haynes, he's currently 38. And they're actually pretty similar player profiles, all things considered. So, Tim, I don't have any more notes to make of this game if you just want to head off into the close for another evening. Yeah, I think that's all I got to say. Uh, it was a very good game for Ottawa all around. And, yeah, it's, this Ottawa Centers team has been really surprising of this up late. And uh, going into the season, I was expecting to talk about at least one or two losses every week. And here we are with a, a way that Ottawa managed to convincingly win two games and grind, just completely grind out a third somehow. And that's not what I was envisioning from the hope be lost, ye damned view of the Centers going into the season that we most of us had. Personal guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network where you can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m 9 Honey Badger and at Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E Gipster. If you'd like to choose an email to talk about top of the, ga- top of the hour, the games, or you want to give us some comments or thoughts that we've said here on the show, shoot us an email, thirdlinefluxsensecast at gmail.com. So, Tim, we've got four games of this coming week. We've got the game tonight in Columbus. Wednesday, we're playing the Boston Bruins at home. Friday, we're at home to play the Minnesota Wild. And Saturday, the Ottawa Senators travel to the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta to play the Calgary Flames. So, can we... Two things. Can we say on the record and know whether you and Chelsea will be attending the game on Saturday night? 
Uh, it'll depend on Chelsea's work on how Chelsea's writing goes because she's got a hard deadline on the second. Yeah, so I don't know. And also, can we get a really quick update on the Blue Jackets Suns game as it's going on right now? Uh, still one nothing Jackets. Yep, one that one nothing Jackets. Ten minutes left in the third. Ottawa Stoke shooting the Jackets twenty to nineteen. Until next week, guys. I am your host Taylor Gibson, and this has been Tim Jesse. Go Suns, guys. Woo!